Hello there and welcome back to the Star Wars Book Community Podcast. This is your favourite show, Comics Roundup, back again for the month of January. Uh, and we are going to be talking about all the comics released in Star Wars during the month of January. And to do that, you know who it is. It's the usual three shit musketeers. It's myself, Dan, Vader's Castle Library, uh, Chris, SW Book Collector, and... Or Shit Panion. John. Oh, John, thank you very much. <laughs> Just John. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember the musketeer called John. <laughs> <laughs> Not evil John, just normal, nice Regular John. John. Regular John. Diet John. <laughs> um, so I think we're, we're meant to be talking about comics, aren't we? Um, so yeah, we're going to be talking about the first batch of comics that came out in 2024. Uh, this is the first bunch of comics since the end of the Dark Droids event. So we've got no more crossovers. We've just got regular old comic books. Yeah. Um, we have series have ended, so we've got no more Dark Droids, no more D-Squads, but we've got new series starting, like the Thrawn Alliances adaptation comic. Um, Is that a with, new character? A, a new character called Grand Admiral Prawn, um, if, you, <laughs> if you've heard of him. Um, <laughs> we, <will actually, laughs> we will actually be talking about Thrawn Alliances, um, unlike... From the Fish Ascendancy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> unlike the Mando and Obi-Wan Kenobi adaptations that are just like shot for shot remixes that we decided we're not going to talk about anymore we yeah. are going to talk about Thrawn Alliances because it's based off a book this is the first time we've seen pictures yeah, so, of this yeah, particular story it's never been visualised so this is never this been it, visualised this is the adaptation we want Marvel yeah the Lost Stars comic Bloodlines comic we'll take we've it. had Lost Stars manga okay well we haven't had a comic have we Chris no, we have a bit. Manga's amazing. <laughs> um, so let's just start off with our favourite comic, just to get things get things heated up. Darth Vader issue number forty-two, <laughs> uh, written by Greg Pak. Art, new artist coming in here, Adam Gorham. Uh, this is kicking off a new story arc where Darth Vader is introduced to these this Imperial schism which is basically administrators, Slymore, and a few sort of random unnamed Imperials who want to sort of take down the Emperor from within. And he is also dealing with some sort of like bad batch reject rebels who are sort of like physically augmented rebels. Um, so it's very Greg Pack. It's very Vader. Yeah. Um, Chris, I'm going to let you start. What did you think? Um, I like the new art. You yeah. know, artists, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Had a really nice cartoony feel, which worked really well with Vader mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, that was good. It mentioned the word test in this crawl within about three words, which I <laughs> thought was hilarious. But people on test watch, there wasn't a test on this. Yeah. In this issue. So there was no test. There was no test. There was also no ball guy there, so it cancels it out. <laughs> um, it, I don't know. Like, it's... I feel like the way Greg Pak writes his comics is he just puts loads of buzzwords on cards like robots, augments, emperor, test, ochi, wall guy, and just throws them up in the air. And whichever lands facing up, he goes, that's what we're writing today, guys. Because it's like, 
it was fine. It was fine. The art was great, and <sighs> why though? <laughs> I mean, I said to you before, like Greg Pak has this thing where he introduced all these fucking reject crews um, that don't mean anything, don't go anywhere, and they're just like the most throwaway characters ever. And he's done it again in an yeah. effort to save. Masamed is always interesting to me because of aftermath. Mm-hmm. So I'm happy with Masameda, but more is like the perfect encapsulation of why Greypax Vader is so shit. <laughs> I don't want like, any more of that. It's also like massively different. Woman. No, it's also massively different characterization to who she was earlier. Like a completely different yeah. person. Yeah, just looks the same. Um, but I suppose it was different. Mm-hmm. It felt fresh. Do I say fresh? Yeah. Um, the thing that got me though was you know the 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 constant criticism we have of the fact that this is like mere weeks or days away from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> um, I, know, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> and then Vader's like no, Masameda's like reporting on Vader's actions. And like Palpatine's getting pissed off about it and going, well, we should get him. I'm like, what? Does this this is the guy that like was trying to win Vader over in the throne room and be like, no, you're my apprentice and we you know, we're, we're a fucking team. I'm paraphrasing Return of the Jedi here. <laughs> um But yeah, it's just way off, isn't it? It's just way off. Yeah. John, I'm 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 sure you're ready. You've been cooking. You've been sitting there cooking, waiting to to unleash. Uh-huh. Do you actually have a written down shit list? No, I just have the comic in front of me. Okay, I'm coming with receipts. While Chris is talking, as uh, I'm not going to don't want anyone commenting on the Instagram post being like, "Oh, he's, he's got this wrong." So I'm making sure they're right. John's uh... Greg Pack himself. <laughs> uh, I mean, I actually. I agree with you. I like the art. There's, a, I like the art overall. The only parts of the art I don't like is when the artist decides to draw Darth Vader, which is a bit ironic. Um, <laughs> quite a lot in a Darth Vader comic. <laughs> although, actually, as I'm scrolling through, it's not as much as you do think. Um, I just, I find him a bit animated for some reason in this comic. Like Darth, like again, feel free to disagree with me, anyone, but I feel like Darth Vader's character is introduced is very like stiff like stern like a like an imposing figure yeah all right and obviously like when he during the combat scenes and like the overwatch series and the comics when they do animate him in the comics fighting because usually it's just stills of him doing stuff swinging uh, yeah <laughs> uh apart from that he's like very like just stands there menacingly but then there's some weird poses he's doing in this in this comic and i sent one to the chat earlier guys where he's like I don't know like half bent over his hand next to him, he's like, i've got a visitor where he's like why he looks like Nosferatu <laughs> <laughs> just so bizarre but the colouring is really nice I like the colouring um, uh, yeah I think the paper quality was nice I wouldn't know it's really imagine. digital I, I'm digital <clears throat> the only comic I bought this month was Thrawn I think um, that was a nice paper though. Uh, <laughs> but yeah like, I feel like it's an okay story I like where it's kind of I like the idea of it, but I just don't think it works in the timeline. It's um, an improvement. Yeah. I actually think if if you go okay, 
if you take the first two volumes of Vader, so issue one to 10, 11, 12, and then you get the more stuff, you could, you could actually take everything from then to now, throw it in the trash where it belongs, and you'd be fine. We're just going straight into this. Yeah. <laughs> you would. Because you'd be like, oh, more's a person we still care about. Okay, cool. But you would have forgotten about the Revengers and Bull Guy. The Handmaiden Squad. The Handmaiden Squad and Kitster. <laughs> Don't forget Kitster. Oh, Kitster and Wald. <laughs> and that weird that weird Imperial villain in like the Didn't she have like a load lifter from Alien? <laughs> and she was fighting she was fighting the Power Rangers version of Sabe. <laughs> I'm going to rant about this page, lads. Go on, John. It's the one where, like, usually this is done quite well, these art pages, where it's like the, all the fight scenes are, like, congregated. Oh, anyway. They're all behind the character, Vader, fighting. But then there's, like, there's, like, three panels in, like, this 20-panel page where he's, like, actually doing anything. Gets shot in the head once. Swings a lightsaber in another. And oh, yeah, it. no. I know the one you're talking about. See, I actually quite like that that spread. I thought that was actually nicer than them just doing, like, six boxes of just Vader swinging in different angles, which is what they usually do. <laughs> I like these Rebels, though. They're pretty cool. I like the, the Mark or... I think it's quite a cool name. Yeah. Um, boys, I'm going to challenge you to do something. Are you ready? I'm going to challenge you to completely pretend to completely forget and ignore about where we are in the timeline right now because greg pat clearly has so i'm going to challenge you guys <laughs> to do it as well just completely forget about the timeline completely forget that this is nearly return of the jedi i actually thought this was an all right story i think i, I much prefer it to what's come before with the dark droids event that really didn't do anything for me I like. You mean Vader's Dark Droids event, not actually yeah, Dark Vader, Droids. Vader's Dark Droids. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's putting Vader in an interesting place where he's been given an opportunity to sort of completely undermine the Empire from within, a little bit of political intrigue. I like the idea of him sort of reprogramming and playing around with sort of cyborgs and droids because that's a very Anakin thing to do. He was always a tinkerer. So I think. This is probably my favourite issue of Vader since the Dr. Aphra issue, which was probably 10, 12 issues ago. I know that's a low bar, because we haven't been a fan of this. A low bot. But if you ignore the fact that Greg Pak has got the timeline of the character completely wrong, which we accept as fact now, that it just doesn't add up to Return of the Jedi Vader. But that, that's we're, we're 42 issues deep at this point. Nothing's going to change. I actually think this was a somewhat enjoyable story and I am interested to see what happens with the remainder of this arc. John, <laughs> I yeah. think Dan's been possessed. Okay. <laughs> I need to check his bank balance. I think Greg Pack just sent he's, him a load of money. He's <laughs> talking absolute shit. I'm a shill. I'm a, I'm a Disney shill. I've been paid $1,000 to talk up this series. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, I didn't like it. It's still my least favourite comic of the month. There's no surprise there. But it's my least hated Vader comic in probably about a year. So swings and roundabouts, I guess. I think next okay. next month I might 
multiplayer drinking games before we come on. It's like everything I want to sh- say bad about the beta run, I'll take a shot and then just come on. Absolutely fucked. <laughs> okay, so uh, Vader was horseshit. Moving on, Dan. <laughs> Look, I tried to be balanced. I tried to be non-toxic. You guys dragged You're us toxic. down. toxic. <laughs> it's the truth. Yeah, so safe to I'm say... I'm not saying anyone likes it as an idiot. They're not. I just don't like it personally. I thought it was average. John and Chris didn't like it. Fair enough. We shall move on. The finale of Shadows of Starlight. Shadows of Starlight issue number four. Uh, written by Charles Soule. Art by David Messina and Jethro Morales. And in this one, we sort of got like the final piece to sort of the Shadows of Starlight puzzle, which is what the Nihil were up to in between the fall of Starlight and this sort of year marker um, that the Eye of Darkness picks up in, um, where we see Marcion sort of assemble his team of ministers. So he's got his minister of science. Magic. (laughs) The minister of science, who's sort of this like creepy Ithorian dude that he sort of springs from jail. He's got his minister of... Just like really weird, like nonsensical things, like Minister of Friends, Minister of Sport, <laughs> Minister I mean? of Politics, which is obviously G. Anyway, the point is, it's a cool sort of story about the Nile in Nile space, sort of cementing power and a bit of power struggle and that sort of thing. Did we like this issue, Chris? This is how you do a comic. This was banging, right? It totally set up what we know from Eye of Darkness. I wish it had come out before, because it would have been nice to have before that. Yeah, agreed. Um, but regardless, anyone anyone from this point onwards can read this first, especially when the trade comes out. Um, it's wonderful. We got to see, like, I really like the Gira Staros we had in here. Mm-hmm. She was a bit of like, a, you know, like one of Two Faces moles. Yeah, she wasn't like the most fleshed out character, but I just like to have the visual. I like to see it. The general vice scenes were incredible i like i think when we did the eye of darkness episode people were like what do you think of general vice everyone's like meh i'm i'm all in now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is why badass. this should have come out before I have yeah. Darkness. yeah like i all of a sudden even though i remember the blade but all of a sudden just that character's clicked to me now just like oh yeah okay i get this character i'm into it this is a cool villain mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. no it's a Typical Saul greatness. It's great to see more of Martian Row. Great to see more of the Nile. Just absolutely banging. Mm-hmm. Loved it. Back, back on form. John. Yeah, I really liked it. Um, it's just it's nice to see a bit of like world building, I guess, for the Nile. Mm-hmm. See what they've been up to. Which seemed to be what was it like six months of them just getting black ass drunk for a while. Martian just sitting in his chair, being like, you know what, maybe I should do something in a minute. Like, they're just vibing, just chilling. But uh, I liked it. The guy at the end, um, who's a, the minister, minister, well, minister of science, dude, Baron um, Boolin. Well, I, I, again, I'm gonna. This is the usual how it goes every month. I've not yet read Eye of Darkness, <gasps> so I'm assuming these characters appear a lot more in there. Yeah, well, a bit more, a bit, a bit more, more, yeah. But I like the intros that they get in this, because um, you can they, they, you can tell it's building to something, mm-hmm. or something that I haven't read. Which is a nice class, obviously. Um, but yeah, no, it was good. Um, the artwork was good. I'm looking forward to the trade paperback when this come out. I like to. I want to read them all in one go. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. It's just a nice, condensed, concise four issue. It's four issue. Right? 
yeah. in the series that just does what it needs to, comes in, tells a story, leaves. Tasty. Yeah, no, I really, really like this. Um, I thought the artwork, again, was excellent. The artwork across all four issues, even though they've had different artists, have all been really, really good. Um, I, I really feel the way you feel, Chris. Like, I wish they had time to the release of these Shadows of Starlight issues before Eye of Darkness came out because they are a perfect prelude to Eye of Darkness. And I think I would have connected more to some of the characters in Eye of Darkness had I read all these before it had come out. Um but that's not to say it's not an excellent series. It really is. Um, this was really good seeing some of the sort of politics behind the Nile, how Marky and Ro and Jira are sort of constantly buying heads over what the Nile is going to be. Um, and it just sort of just cements Marky and Ro as this sort of just like badass, but massive dick who just like sits at his throne and just doesn't really care for anything but himself. Um, and then Jira's sort of trying to patch together some sort of government in his image. It's a really interesting dynamic. Um, and yeah, I mean, how many times are we going to come on this podcast and say, oh, Charles Soule's written another great comic? Like, come on. I imagine a lot of times. <laughs> Charles, if you're listening, just write one stinker, just so we have something to talk about, please. <laughs> <laughs> there isn't What's a stinker, that? is there? No, there literally, there literally isn't. Like, there's nothing Charles Soule's written which has ever been bad, which is just ridiculous to think about um but yeah overall thoughts on shadows of starlight as a series uh chris i know john gave his thoughts but you didn't i didn't get yours yeah. on the overall series absolutely it was awesome really good prelude it's not really like a a single storyline like a like a tra- high republic trade paperback would be or high republic adventures one or mm-hmm. of shadows or monster temple peak it's like a it's like feels like a bridge series a little like prologue, you know, like when Batman, um, when Batman, when DC do like uh, their zero year crossover events, where it's just like every series gets one issue, mm. where it's like set in the past around the zero year, zero year time, like they did for the New Fifty Two. It was that kind of vibe, but just four issues, um, and I loved all of them. The Bell one wasn't as good for me, but the other three were great. The first one especially was absolutely banging. Yeah, yeah, I think I think the first one and the second one are my favourite too. But I love this one as well. That's because you fancy Alzar and Avar. <laughs> yeah, want to be in like a little Jedi yeah. Riz sandwich. Yeah, I was going to say I think I more I more resonate with Alzar because I'm also in love with Avar Chris. Um, yeah. Let's move on to more Charles Soul. I think this is the first week that we've only had two Charles Soul comics in a month for a while now because he's been cooking like three a month for a while so this is the second charles soul that we've got star wars issue number 42 obviously written by charles soul art by a new artist here stephen cummings um and this is sort of teased as the two part the sith and the skywalker sort of um mini arc that's going to precede the the trial of lando calrissian series um, and in this, Luke goes back to this Sith Kyber crystal that he got many moons ago, and he's going to try again to heal it. Um, and he goes inside the Force, and he ends up getting captured in this like spooky Sith fortress by this evil Sith within this Force vision. Um, John, I'll start with you. What do you think of Star Wars Forty Two? I, I really enjoyed it, actually. This is. Um... I know, like, again, sorry guys, but the Lando storyline wasn't one of my favourites. 
apologise, Chris shaking his head. Revisionist history, right? No. <laughs> Bullshit, right? He was like, oh, I don't like the first line much, but every, every episode since then, he's like, yeah, it's actually really good there. Like, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> like, it was good. No, like, it's it over. Good. No, it's but... over. He's like, oh, that was fucking horseshit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not, we're not going that far. Like, it was good. Like, I, I did enjoy it, but it wasn't one of my favourite arcs of storytelling. Like, I'm not a huge Lando. Like, it doesn't resonate with me massively. <clears throat> I'm just not. I'm got enough riz. It doesn't to, uh, resonate with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just he's just too high on my level. He's just not. I can't keep up with Lando. So it's nice to get. Basically, what I'm trying to say is, it's just nice to get a bit of Luke Skywalker back. Just the whole one thing, just based based on the boy Luke. I I really love the way Charles Soul writes the old Luke Skywalker. Um, just reminds me of. I really like again. Like obviously, I like the original trilogy and stuff, but I really like Luke Skywalker and like Battlefront. The Battlefront campaign, like, like two missions he's in, you know, yeah. it's like he's like great in that. I think Charles Soul just it feels very similar to me. Um, and I just I love his right, I love his right, and I think and I I'm, I'm interested to see where this Kyber Crystal stuff goes because um it's again you know we have a whole time span of Luke trying to learn using the Force and all his bits and bobs. I think this is a big big step for him. Mm-hmm. I feel like. I don't know. I feel that's one of those ones where I feel like he's not going to do it next episode. Like, he's going to escape the carb crystal, obviously. And all that I think Lou's going to die. No, but I don't think he's going to, like... <laughs> I don't think he's going to achieve everything he wants to, is, is how I'm feeling on it. I don't know. But I, I enjoyed it. Chris? Yeah. So, uh, these kind of storylines where they go into someone's head and you get, like, an abstract issue... It's it's almost like a bottle episode thing. You get them every in every series. Mm-hmm. Um, they tend to be always my least favorite things, but this one was good because it wasn't as abstract. It literally was just going back in time. It reminded me of when Afra went into the Spark Eternal, yeah. and you got to see the little fucking bat guy who made the <laughs> Spark Eternal. Um, it reminded me of that. So it actually was just literally a, a step back in time to look at what happened. So I did like it for that. The one thing I'll say is, like, it it's nice after all these massive crossover events. It's nice to just go back to little, like a little Charles Saul Luke Skywalker adventure. Yeah, yeah. We haven't really had that since like issue twenty, twenty one. Yeah, whenever that Elzar Man issue was, we haven't really had it since twenty one. I yeah. think. Um, so I'm a massive Luke Skywalker fan. Luke Skywalker is Star Wars to me. Luke Skywalker going on adventures. You know, being super earnest and innocent and a bit stupid. Like, that's Star Wars to me. So I was all for this. It's interesting, definitely. And I think the concept of a corrupted for, um, kyber crystal, like a, a bled one, you can actually... It's taken a part of the Sith that created it, the pain and torment of them, kind of like a Horcrux. And you can go in and view it like a pensive. I reckon Charles Souls been reading Harry Potter. Um, <laughs> and you can, like exist in that time is really cool it's also cool. super interesting that this seems to be a time of the Sith and Jedi that I don't recognise mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I mean I assume Sith Empire at their peak I think so yeah but that's stuff we haven't really had we've had in Legends they had that, like this. they had that jester Jedi didn't they who was sort of just like in yeah. rags and was like a court jester for the Sith that was pretty dope so this is going yeah. to be Sith. This is going to be pre-Bane Sith Empire, uh-huh. Uh-huh. which we haven't seen in canon at all. 
opens up a nice nice doorway. For yeah, and it, it looks very different to the Sith Empire we got from Legends. Because Sith Empire Legends was like basically just uh, video game nerd porn stuff where it was like... <laughs> Just a bunch of Jedi glistening, and then a bunch of like Sith glistening in armor, and like really cool, like Revan. You know what I mean? Like there's not, there wasn't a huge amount of substance to it. It just it looked like deviant art. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's one of the big, big, biggest pet hates of the community. That is, like they just love these characters that aren't, aren't anything. They just look cool. Um, <laughs> and this doesn't seem to be that. This seems to be like that the Sith empire or if, if that's what this is has literally dominated the jedi and the jedi were jokes slaves almost mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's an interesting little peek there i reckon this could lead somewhere yeah yeah no i, I love this issue um i i have i have quite a mixed relationship with like the events and we have talked about this before where like all of charles soul's events have been really really good but my favorite issues of Charles Soule's Star Wars run have been out with of the event. So like some of my, my you know, like that Elzon Man issue, the um, uh, Chris, what's her name? Shara Bay uh, issue on Starlight. My girl. Um, Leia facing off against Commander Zara. Like all of these like issues in my head of what I love about Charles Soule's Star Wars, funnily enough, have not been the crossover events. So I was actually really excited just to get back to Charles Soule's Star Wars again, even though he's the architect of the events. I don't know. There's just something that I just love about his Star Wars series when it's just telling a story about the characters between episode five and six. And for me, this is like a major step. I mean, we talk about what we don't like about Darth Vader, that this does not feel like Darth Vader weeks before Return of the Jedi. This feels like Luke has progressed massively from the character he was when his hand got chopped off and he found out Darth Vader was his yeah, father. Yeah, and he's, try, he's trying to learn how to... How to turn, heal a Sith, yeah. He's trying to learn how to heal... See, Greg Pack, right? Just pick up the phone. <laughs> give Charles Soul a call. Because and maybe, I mean, and maybe, just watch Return of the Jedi. This this <laughs> makes this makes so much sense. Like it make, Because we see Luke in Return of the Jedi turn a Sith from the dark side back to the light and and this yeah. is him going on a journey to learn how to do that it's like, poetry. It's like it, poetry or it's like charles souls watched the film and thought <laughs> how, do we, how do we logically get to this point <laughs> um, yeah. but no that's not like not to take away i think this was excellent i really like the artwork as well it was it was quite fun cartoony colorful i mm. really love this character and i i'm is it greta um, Greta, yeah. The the girl who's got like this cute little crush on Luke, like that's really cool with the fact their family is sort of like sensitive to the force, but they didn't. What uh, the, her auntie was talking about, they weren't like obsessed enough to become force users, which I think is a really interesting concept. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost gave me like a little bit of like path of the open hand vibes, but like Do you know what? Not I reckon quite... Greta's auntie or whatever mm-hmm. is actually like dark side. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's sort of manipulating this vision, perhaps. I don't think that. I think she's just like trapping him in there, kind of mm. thing. Um, but anyway, I, I love where it's going. I think I love when Charles Soul does anything which is like characters going within the Force. I mean, me and John worship his Darth Vader stuff with Vader inside the Force. 
Um, anything that Vader, that Soul does with the Force is excellent, and I think this is another example of it. So happy to have Luke Skywalker back as the focus of Star Wars, um, and I'm looking forward to the second part of this two-parter. Just going back to what you said a minute ago about those amazing moments of Charles Soul's Star Wars, you know, previously, mm-hmm. and how they weren't necessarily on the crossovers. I'd argue that the strongest the comic series has ever been was drawing Crimson Rain because Star Wars just ignored Crimson Rain. I think it's because Charles Saul just wanted to have something separate. Yeah. So during, during the Crimson Rain crossover, the issues we had, we had Shara Bay on the Star Destroyer. We had mm-hmm. the Luke Alzar issue. Mm-hmm. We had Leia facing down Commander Zara and then her big, and Zara's big plan to take her out. Those issues were like literally great hits collection of issues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the peak. And that was, it's all collected in the Crimson Rain trade paperback. Yeah. It has nothing to do with Crimson Rain, though. And, and uh, to be honest, uh, it was this was post Hidden Empire, but the issue with Luke finding the two kyber crystals in the first place on Christophsis, I love those issues as well. They were excellent. Yeah, anything with Luke, give us more. I genuinely feel like we don't have enough Luke. Which is hilarious because it's Luke Skywalker. But yeah. Yeah. There's barely any Luke. Even I mean, like in Star Wars, he shows up as like, a, he's a more of a cameo at this point. Yeah. I mean, to, there's a really big part of me that wants them to move on from this era of the timeline just to, to tell more stories post-Return of the Jedi, preferably. But then there's a really big part of me as well, which is just like, I would happily have another 20 issues of Charles Soule's Star Wars without any crossover and just really diving deeper into Luke, Leia and Lando. But for me, that is all okay. that needs to be done. Well, I mean, Han's sort of frozen in carbonites. There's not really much you can do with that. No, but like... <laughs> I'd take Charles Saul writing some stories set between four and five. Do you know what I mean? Just like Adventures with the Guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this was great. This was great. Should we, should we talk about one of, the, one of the comics that we've been waiting to talk about for a whole month? The final issue of Bounty Hunters. Now, anyone who's listened to Comics Roundup before knows that you probably won't find three people who sing the praise of Bounty Hunters more than us three, because a lot of people don't really rate this series for some reason. Um, but we absolutely adore Bounty Hunters, particularly sort of the... I call them pack rats. <laughs> particularly the sort of 20... The back 20 issues of the series has been where it's particularly shined. Um, so here it is, the finale, issue 42, written by Ethan Sachs, art by, this is the one in my notes where I've forgotten to put the artist down. Was it Davide Tinto or was it Villanueva came back again? I can't remember. I've no idea. Ienko? No, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, what, it wasn't Villanelli. Villanelli. Because I looked for that, because I was like, I hope he came back, because he wrote, he drew the majority of it. Mm. It was Jethro. It was it, the artwork was by Jethro Morales and Paolo Villanelli. So Paolo Villanelli did do some of the artwork in this. Oh, maybe like a flashback had, scene or something. Yeah, I know they've had the same colorist, or not they? The series had the same colorist the entire run, and the artwork <clears throat> is between is it, two people. Is it Michelle Rosenberg? Because she seems to color all of Star Wars comics. So Villanelli. Villanelli drew the ending so the sort mm-hmm. of after the fight with the Megadroid ended the sort mm-hmm. of epilogue of the story was drawn by Villanelli which is like a really nice way to sort of finish off his work on the series yeah because he did it for 
Got to be at least 25 25, issues. 30 issues, I'm going to say, yeah. 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 Anyway, let's not let's not bury the lead. John, let's start with you. Bounty Hunters 42, how do you feel about the ending? Oh, devastated it's coming to an end. Yeah. Um, but my boy Valance, he's, uh, he's back. I, I mean, I just love how at the end of the last issue, he's like, I'm off to go save Han Solo. I'm like, oh, what the fuck's he going to do here? Like, I'm like, oh dear. How is going to interact with Return of the Jedi? <clears throat> um, but he's coming with like the absolute game plan. Comes in, jab at a heart. He's like, "Fuck you, little bitch!" <laughs> like, let's throw hands, mush. And Jabba's like, "No, you can go fight my big robot boy." Balances, <laughs> dominates him, loses an arm in the process. And he like, you're sitting there thinking, "What is the point of this?" But then it's so that um, Leia, Chewie, and Lando can go in. And save Han without having to fight the big robot. Oh, like, the man's doing his part. Unsung his hero. Part. Unsung hero. He's not even mentioned in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure George Lucas had a whole scene out for him. Like they all plays him at the end. One of the deleted no. scenes. The yeah, famous like, no. Violet Valance deleted scene. Like, Valance would want to say unsung. He doesn't deserve. He doesn't need the credit. He doesn't need it. Unlike unlike uh, Lando and Chewie, they they need the recognition. Valance does not. Um, but yeah, no, it was just it was just a great way to end the series. I think um, yeah. I like how he then goes off and he finds his uh, finds his girl, even though he shouldn't remember her, but he does. The magic of Star Wars, um, and then I just love how That's the there's power like a, of love. <laughs> I love the page. Is it a page or a few panels? It must be a page, page or two, where they go back to the the crew that uh, turn their backs that betrayed. The original mm-hmm. lot and yeah. boss was just like oh fucked it <laughs> he's sitting there like oh i've made a mistake here like he's like oh and you're just like oh boss that's what you get boss is redeemed get, he feels regret for his decision oh, an, i expected more from that i just i mean they only had one issue left i feel like this isn't easy. yeah that's but like cool. come on like, um, um and who, oh, is it who's that stupid dengo Dengar, yeah. He's going to get some fucking ass kicked. Yeah, him and his wife in the bar, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, great final issue. Um, I'd take a Dengar miniseries about him and his wife. So would I. Yeah. I'd read um, the shit out of that. I'm sure all I'm going to say, final, final of my point, is Disney, Marvel, If I'm keeping an eye on uh, the Uncanny Omar's YouTube channel. I'm waiting for that omnibus, annou- omnibus announcement. Yeah. If it's not, I'll give it six months and I'm flying to... The headquarters, and I'll be outside with a with a sign, throwing <laughs> eggs at the windows. <laughs> if there's no omnibus announcement, shameful. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, John, I really like what you obviously said about like Valance and like this has been this is this conclusion to Valance's story. Like, I'm, I'm sure we'll see Valance again, but like this conclusion to his story has like has gone on since like Han Solo, Imperial Cadet. Target Vader, this has run for a long time, and this is Valance in his own way repaying Han Solo. But he doesn't do it directly because the restraints of canon doesn't let him. But what he does is, as you said, he, he gives a chance for the the original trilogy crew to rescue Han without having to deal with a big robot. It's like the most sort of bounty hunters balancey way of like him repaying his debt to Han Solo. Um, and I absolutely loved that. And we saw some Boba Fett action as well, which was cool. We hadn't seen Boba oh, yeah, Fett in the series for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, I just I love the epilogue at the end. Um, 
with you know Valance getting his happy ending, the Bounty Hunters crew being separated for now. I mean, then with that sort of like, yeah, we'll get the get the squad back together if we have to sort of moment. And that Cadelia kid sort of joining up with Tonga and Losha and Bakura. Yeah. Um, sort of a, an interest, an interesting squad there. Um, mm-hmm. Chris, how did you feel? Yeah, it was enjoyable. I don't think I loved it as much as you guys, but Bounty Hunter was never about violence for me. You know, it wasn't. And this was very much a violence-heavy issue. Like, it yeah. was the resolution to his story, which makes sense because this is how it started. Mm-hmm. But I'd say we've had more issues with Tonga as the leader of Bounty Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> But it was it was definitely enjoyable though. I mean, I didn't expect Jabba's palace and the giant robot and all that to be in the last issue. Just seemed to be <laughs> absolute nowhere. <laughs> but you know, whatever. I, I thought they'd do more of like a boss saving him kind of thing to redeem himself. But whatever, it's all good. It was it was good. It looked great. It was enjoyable. I personally would have wanted more about that crew. Yeah, the crew we spent most issues with. Um, but you know, I get it. We, I mean, we got them in the epilogue. We saw um, Tasu Leech, didn't we? And mm-hmm. yeah, we got little slices of all of them in the epilogue. Yeah, that was that was good. It was um, just about enough. Yeah, I was just thinking though, it's impressive the fact that like you were saying about Valance and like his storyline, the fact it's gone from Imperial Cadet, Target Vader, this like they they never usually give that much airtime to characters. Unless they're like Luke, Luke or whatever. Well, unless like, they're film characters. Like Fran has been in it since issue four of Star Wars. She's only just got her own miniseries. She probably won't get another one. Yeah. You know, there's other things like that. But if you think about it, they kind of got away with it sneakily. Like they baked him into the background of a series. Like the only reason I got to tell his initial story was it was Han Solo Imperial Cadet. Yeah. His second series, which was a violent story, they had to call Target Vader. And then this Bounty Hunters, they marketed it as Boba Fett yep. when it initially launched. Mm. But really, sneakily, they've been making this violent story go over all these series, and it, it it's crazy that we've had a payoff there. I mean, mm. if you think about it, this is 40 issues, those are five each, so we have 50 issues, really, mm-hmm. of Valance's story, if you, especially if you consider Grey Pax Vader as well. Yeah. Because yeah. he was in there for a while, weren't he? Just fucking slumming it with the Revengers. <laughs> my, yeah. boy, my boy still can't get him in Lego Star Wars, still not got a character. I, mean, I did like his. I did like the fact that he ends up going with with the game with the girl at the end. Lieutenant Hayden. Hayden, that was it. Yeah, because that was a character which they didn't need to put a spotlight on, but they did, and mm. it paid off. And it was it was nice. It was heartfelt. That been building for what like fifteen issues or something. Probably more than that. I reckon twenty issues, mate. It was, yeah, it was around about like, issue twenty that he went over to the Imperials. But it was something that you could tell they wanted to do because Hayden wasn't exactly a character that lit the cannon on fire and people wanted more of. Mm-hmm. But it just it worked. Mm-hmm. Fair play to them. Ethan Sachs deserves all the flowers with the yeah. work he's done. Yeah, I mean, a shout out to Greg Pack and he's like final. Thing. <laughs> Apparently, they have a teams call every Wednesday or something. <laughs> really? It's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, Greg, yeah. Ethan, Charles, and Alyssa, um, assuming, yeah, Alyssa, yeah, and yeah. maybe the, you get a cameo from Cabin every now and again, maybe. Yeah, they get a team to call every Wednesday or something. Yeah. And Greg Pat Cleage doesn't put his earphones in. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I really like this. I, I don't think it's my favourite issue of Bounty Hunters. I think the, the issue 
was it two issues ago where like the squad betrayed them is I think still probably my favorite issue about the Hunters. That was an exceptional issue of comics. Um, but I thought this was a good strong finale. I think. I don't know what you guys think. I have a feeling that Ethan Sachs, when he was given Bounty Hunters, was basically told he was getting 50 issues and probably mapped out a 50-issue storyline. And then because of sales, they were like, wrap it up the month after Dark Droids. And I think that's why the Jabba's Palace Mega Droid storyline felt a bit rushed and contained to one issue. In my head, I think he probably had that spanning a few more issues. I don't know if you agree with me, but to me it feels like... I think it's the opposite. I don't. I think. I think Greg Pack. Uh, Greg Pack. I think Ethan Sachs was constantly expecting to get shut down, so he kept like stretching things out. He could never really make a plan, like an end plan, because if you remember, he was going to split it into two series, wasn't he? One was called yeah. uh, Dark Squadron. Yeah, it was going to yeah. be about two separate bounty hunter teams, and and all that. And I think he's just. He was just flying by the suit of his pants you know what i mean which if if that's yeah. the context or if the context is my context regardless of what the context is it shows how much of a fucking good writer even sax is that he can still deliver a 42 issue series that completely tells like five characters stories it it shows what you what can you can do when you when you give ethan Sachs like carte blanche and said do something good because the other stuff he's done is like make an anthology about the halcyon shit no one cares yeah what yeah. what can you possibly do that to make that interesting Galaxy's edge you know what i mean like the just he, anthology series he's way too good a writer to be wasted on these anthology series which is why i'm excited he's got the Django fett storyline because Django yeah. fett's a character that i think is cool but i don't give too much of a shit about Django fett no um, i don't but i really liked the story in visions uh revelation sorry yeah, exactly. So I'm excited to see that what he got me excited. That did. But I mean, yeah. I didn't give too much of a shit about Boba Fett, and then controversially, Book of Boba Fett made me like Boba Fett more. So, like, we'll, we'll see. What, no one ever. Are you no on crack, mate? Apart from me. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what we'll see what the Django Fett series is. But yeah, Bounty Hunters. We want the omnibus. We love yeah. that. Well, um, I did speak to Omar right, and I said, "Have you got any other Star Wars omnibus news?" And he said, yeah, one, but it doesn't look like it's coming out to 2025. So I don't know what it is. Bounty Hunters. Surely. I don't know. Yeah, I reckon... like a nice Cam and Trolley cover as well. I reckon they'd go for Vader first. Because Vader's like... <laughs> Piss off, Vader's man. like the second... Vader's the second best-selling Star Wars omnibus, I think, after High Republic. Yeah. <sighs> I know Look, I know people, people love Vader. Um, we're the minority. But yeah, please... Bounty Hunters, this series, not only does it deserve an omnibus, it deserves a chance maybe in a year or two's time when it's had time to breathe and we've moved on to a new era for Ethan Sachs to come back and do another Bounty Hunters series. Bounty Hunters as a concept works excellently for any era in Star Wars. You just find Hang on a minute, one second. Valance's girlfriend, I thought she was dead. She is. No, because she was in the epilogue of her hanging out with a new husband. Oh, no, no, she's not. No, she, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, was that like a reveal? Like, oh, she's not dead. No, that wasn't. The The town was destroyed, but Valance, I'm pretty sure Valance managed to get her and her new husband away safely. Or smuggled them away. Nice guy. See, like, and... he's got a new guy. Saves him as well. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole... I mean, this was like 25 issues ago, so excuse... Because it, it was when they were looking after Cordelia, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it was all tied yeah. in with the Kadia stuff. I swear we didn't see them get rescued, and it was assumed they were dead. I'm, I can't well, remember. I'm gonna have to go and reread the whole series. Yura, Yura, is it Yura or Yura, Yuri? Yes, like that. 
Yuri Geller, that's it. Was that's Yuri Geller? That's Valence's girlfriend. Uh, anyway, anything else we want to add about Bounty Hunters? We're just sad to see it go. Sad to see it go. I hope it comes back on the bus with. I mean, what I my my dream would be the next era of Marvel Comics is post episode six and Tonga Losha Vakura. Tonga Losha Vakura reform a new bounty hunter squad to sort of. Well, you cool. know what? Do you know Bad what? Bad bitches. Do you know what I'd absolutely love if, like, you know, they sort of set up that post episode six, the the rebels sort of have like imperial hunter squads. You know, squads who like hunt down imperials. I would love if, like, the rebels sort of like outsourced some of that to a group of bounty hunters, like that, Munich in that, Star Wars, and that was like Tonga and Losha, and they're just like hunting Imperials with like bots the Nazi hunters. Yeah, how cool would that be, mate? I call it badass bitches, <laughs> and then it plays Certified Freak seven days a week. <laughs> wow, just plays in the background. I'll be, I'll be all into that because Tonga, Losha, Vikora, I love them. Yeah, or mm. put them in Afra. Or Afra, yeah. Give them yeah. to it. Get Alyssa Wong to write them. Oh, I'd be all over that. Afra and Sana, and maybe that's Afra's new crew. Oh, that'd be so cool. Anyway, let's move on because we could talk about this for ages. Ah, um, okay. High Republic issue number three, uh, written by Cavan Scott, art by Jim Tao and Marika Cresta. So we haven't had Ari, any Arini Ario Anadito for two issues here, which is a shame. But I like the art in this one. Uh, Keeve and Co fight to capture Lorna D uh, and the Ataraxia to secure a path drive to go and find Skier. Chris? This is probably my second favourite comic of the month. It was. In the first two. Good. <laughs> the first two, I was like, oh, this is good. We're getting like, a bit of vibe. But it didn't really grab me. It was too involved with the whole Hut cartel stuff wasn't personal enough but i feel like this is the issue where it's like we find out what the series is actually going to be now but the first two the the first two were set up this is the one where it happens and then from now on that's the series because this was a badass comic yeah keeve like keeve had her luke skywalker mandalorian hallway moment in this yeah she did yeah absolute badass absolute badass laura d was awesome that, I like the new Captain Woman with the blonde hair. She was great. What do you mean yeah. the, new, the new Captain Woman? You mean Velko, Jayen? Yeah. She's not new. <laughs> what else was she? She, uh, she was like the main character in the um, Starlight Stories series. I haven't read them you yet. Know, the short stories from Phase I haven't one. read them yet. I've got them. I haven't read them yet. Oh, they're really good. And she's the main character in that. She was like the security administrator on Starlight Beacon. Oh, well, there we go. I should read them, actually. Yeah, they're really good, and she is an awesome character. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was just, it was a kick-ass, like, just like a badass issue of, like, Jedi's kicking ass. Like, I remember there's a panel where Keeve gets onto the ship, and she's fighting, and I just had this moment that was really cheesy, like, this is Star Wars. Like, it, it evoked Mando Luke, it evoked prequel stuff, it was just, this is the Jedi comic that people are screaming out for. Yeah. And they don't even know it's this. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly really now, great. particularly now, the, the, I agree with you completely. Now that the direction is, Keeve has found out that Skier is still alive. 
in the like beyond the occlusion zone in Niall's space, and she has to rescue him. That's a, an easy, perfect setup for a great comic. Yeah, and, and she's taking Tarek and Sarek with her. Um, and then, like, like this, it's it's just going to be badass as hell. I know I mean, for a fact from now, this is going to be my favorite comic every every month. Like, I just mm-hmm. I feel it. Mm-hmm. Plus, like the the idea of having a comic like set within Niall's space is already cool. Like, yeah, that's what we want to see. So, yeah. I mean, the best parts of Eye of Darkness was have our Chris just christening it up in the occlusion zone. Yes, exactly. Oh, I've not read it. Um, John, I must have let down. Did you like this comic? Oh, I, I agree, with Chris. I think this is my second second favorite um, of Marvel. I'm assuming we've probably got to say it the first. Is the yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I, this is I literally. Exactly what Chris. I remember reading this comic. This is the first one I think I read this month. I read them all pretty much one go. When I like finished it, and I was like, "Jeez, like that was a comic." Yeah. Um, yeah. Like the first half of it with the whole, you know, gear, um, the flashbacks of I can't remember Skeeve. his name. Skeeve. <laughs> Skeeve and Balzar. He was about to say Skeeve again. I was. I was Skeeve and Balzar, mate. <laughs> Uh, um, but the flashbacks of him and they were in the with the fire and yeah. I think it was just I can't remember. I think the line was something. It was along the lines of he left her to deal with the fire because he knew she could do it, even though she didn't know it herself. And I was like, yeah. that. I was like, that is Star Wars. This is it. And, and then, to save an animal as well, just like a little yeah, rat a thing. Yeah. And he's a Trandoshan as well. <laughs> like, he's a, tr- he's a Trandoshan. Like, this is not what they do. Yeah. Like, Bosco to fucking run in to eat the bugger, not just ate him. Um, I was like, this is... And then the, the back end of it with the, the fight scenes and the, with the... the Where she's fighting out in space, cuts away into the ship. Oh, it's just... This is just peak Star Wars yeah. comics. Like, this is... That's what we want. This if this if it's the same quality every week every month. Oh, from um, this point on, this, this is going to be clicks. this yeah. is going to be unbelievable because yeah, this is highlight almost highlight top tier comic. There's, there was obviously only one that's going to be the leader for me, but they, oh, what a yeah. what a comic this was. Yeah, I mean, it's no surprise here that we love what Kevin Scott does with the High Republic, um, and I think I did really enjoy the first two issues. There's a lot of interesting threads like how the huts are going to factor back into it, how the weird sort of like drain gear looking sort of Nihil person, all of that, you know, there's interesting threads that have been left, but really at its core, we want to see that Keeve and Skier story. Like that's the thing yeah. that like made the first volume of Kevin Scott's High Republic incredible was Keeve and Skier. And the fact that we're going back to that and developing that more and we're heading towards, I mean, we know what happens well, we don't know what happens, but we know what the ultimate destination of Keeve is, that Keeve is going to become one of the Lost 20. So the fact that we have that destination and we're hurtling towards that through Nile space with Terek and Serret and eventually Skir, like, what more can you ask? And Lorna D as well. Like, Lorna D is a fascinating villain. So the fact that we are getting the Lorna yeah. D comic here as well. Big um, temperature on a fan I am, so. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean... We don't need to sit here and praise Kevin Scott anymore because he's had enough praise from us. But this is this is incredible. Let me just give a little bit more praise. Just think <laughs> back to issue, issue one of the High Republic, phase one, and you think back to the character of Keeve, and she's so unsure and she can't stop swearing and yeah. she's really naive yeah. and she gets knighted and she's like really wide eyed. 
and think to the Kiev we have now. That's crazy development, and none of it feels forced or unnatural. No, it's yeah, it's just done so well. I still think that that very first issue of Kevin Scott's High Republic is, I think, still might be my favorite issue of with the, the locusts whole series. and stuff. Yeah, it's just such a pitch perfect comic. I do like that one. Yeah, uh, it's always used by the toxic YouTube people though. When um, it's, it made me laugh actually. You know when she gets the lightsaber and puts it in the plan and uses it to slow herself. Oh, for goodness' sake! Yeah, like, yeah, that's not how lightsabers work. God damn it! But then, Filoni did it in Ahsoka. Yeah, Filoni did it in Ahsoka. So I was like, ah, that take that! Your boy did it too. <laughs> and then surely so did Obi Wan in uh, Qui Gon in that episode. In that episode, exactly. one. it's the same physics to cut open a door it, as it is to anyway. Not yeah, because like otherwise it'd just be like cheese. paper, wouldn't it? it would, exactly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like... yeah, don't come after our boy Kevin Scott. He writes good Star Wars. Yeah. He writes incredible yeah. Star Wars. And yeah, I'm 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 so excited that this series is, is on its direction now. And it was excellent. Another series that I feel like is on its direction, The High Republic Adventures, issue number two, uh, written by Daniel Jose Older, art this time by Harvey Tollebaugh and Nick Brokenshear. Um, I think Nick Brokenshear did the artwork for the for Lula's um, flashback flashbacks, yeah. Um, and then obviously Harvey Tollebaugh continuing his incredible artwork on the main part of the storyline. So here Lula explains where she's been since Starlight Beacon crashed, uh, and then Zine and Quart help her escape this Nile fortress. Um, Chris, I know you're a huge High Republic Adventures fan. How did you feel about this issue? I liked it. It was. I can't remember anything that happened in it because this was, because I liked the first issue so much. I had to read this one immediately. Yeah, yeah. Um, the art. I mean, the art of the first issue was possibly the best comic art I've any, ever seen in any single issue. It was like a masterpiece, like ridiculous. This one went in a completely different direction. New artist, um, completely different style, which I think is good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really good. It was nice to see more of those characters. I'm really, really, really feeling this Harpalook Adventures. I already like it more than Phase One and Two. Yeah, I mean, I think the um, the concept that Luna's just forgotten. I mean, yeah, the, that surprised me. That did the, the the crash of Starlight and her waking up on the beach, not remembering who she was, and it not being until she kissed. Zine that she remembered slowly who she was again. I think it's yeah. a really interesting character. You see, in any other series that would have been cheesy, mm-hmm. but because of the sheer amount of characters you have to play here, it's it's okay to do like the odd offbeat, slightly cliched story beat because you've got so many other characters to play with. So I like the fact they're doing an amnesia storyline. I love story amnesia storyline. If they're going to do it with anyone, it's Lulu and Zine. Of course you can do yeah. it with them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, what did you think as the, the famous person who hasn't read The High Republic Adventures? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the sheer lack of context that I have for the storyline, I, I did actually really enjoy it, this, uh, this episode. I think even for me, as I said, no context, it made sense with what was going on. And nothing felt... Yes, it's like a as Chris says, like it's a cheesy story trope, but like it didn't feel like that when you read it. It was <clears throat> it was well done. Um, 
I like the again the interesting bit of the losing her memory, and then I like the fact that she yeeted some guard force and was like, "Oh my god, I'm like a wizard." Yeah, that was um, yeah, that bit was really good. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, no, it was just a fun little fun issue for me. I enjoyed it. The art is stunning as well. Um, I need to, definitely need to read the first two volumes, three volumes, two volumes, two volumes. You don't necessarily need to read the second one because it's phase two and it's set like way before. Um, oh, okay. So you don't need it for this. You, you need it yeah. for Escape from Varlo if you read that, though. Right. Um, I will yeah. do it, actually. Yeah, no, I, I really like this. Um, I think this is a really good example of like what Kevin Scott is also doing in his run, which is he's, he's taking all the character work he did in phase one, Daniel Hosolder, and building on it massively. So like we got those sort of like few issues that really focused in on Quartz's character and who Quartz is and now we're getting oh, that, that getting that paying up paid off of like of of you know Quart being a sort of badass Jedi and then obviously Lula and Zine is built for so long. This is a really interesting thing. I mean Daniel Jose Older loves his characters hugging. We even got them having a hug at the end of like of Lula being like I'm back home now. I mean I do want to dive more into like what it what the ramifications are of the fact that Lula was like with denial for a year. But I think we will get to that. And I also liked that this issue opened up with like a page, a list of all the Jedi who are presumed dead. And yeah. you know, the main two that we're gonna I hope at some point in the series they're naturally gonna go and try and find is obviously gonna be Fazala and Buckets of Blood because Well considering the covers I've seen for the upcoming issues, I'm guessing they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, I really love this issue. I, I really like the flashback. I thought it was a really convincing character change for Lula, but not like an out of character change, if you get what I mean. Um, I think it sets the series up in a really interesting direction. I think Daniel Jose Olden knows exactly what he's doing with this comic book series. He knows exactly what he's doing with it, and he's going to go and do it. And it's really good to see a, a creator who's like, I'm telling a story about kids growing up during a war, and here it is. Like, can I just say as well aesthetically I really appreciate what this comic is doing like mm-hmm. just the covers the colour oh, choices covers yeah I can't I can't I'm, I'm actually slightly obsessed with the covers and I'm not usually one of those guys that like, goes into variants and I'm like oh that's a nice cover and then John like clean because you know it's what we do isn't it in our group <laughs> um, but these covers are stunning like I just something about them I'm obsessed I want t-shirts. I want like a wall, a poster of every cover. They're mm. they're gorgeous. Yeah, and I mean like Nick Brokenshire as well being in the art for this. It took me a while to a, rec- a minute to clock on because obviously Nick Brokenshire has done a lot of st- stuff with like Kevin Scott. Yeah, the um, tales and stuff. A lot of stuff in like hyper hyperspace stories and Star Wars adventures where it, he's got a very cartoony style, but he didn't lean completely into the cartooniness of his style in this. He sort of had a a slight edge to it, which matched really well with Harvey Tollabout's art, but also felt stylistically different to be a flashback. I don't really know how to describe it. Yeah. It just it just worked really, really well. If it was anyone else, I would have been gutted that Tollabout wasn't doing it. After that first issue, mm-hmm. being like the most stunning comic issue of all time, in my opinion, I'm glad that they went for Broken Shear and his and his different stylistic choice. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, safe to say we like High Republic Adventures. 
Yeah, it's good. I'm I'm looking forward to the rest of the series. Um, right. The next up, we've got a new series. Here we go. Thrawn Alliances, issue number one. Um, written by Timothy Zahn, obviously who wrote the original book Thrawn Alliances, and Jody Hauser, who came on to pen the adaptation. Art by Pat Olif and Andrea Devito. Two names I don't know. I'm, a, I'm assuming one of them did the present day storyline or present day, but the Empire storyline versus one of them doing the prequel storyline. Uh, and if no one's read Thrawn Alliances before, this is an ad- adaptation of that story. So in the Imperial era, Thrawn and Vader head to Batu to investigate a disturbance in the Force. And in the Clone Wars era, Thrawn and Anakin are tracking down a trail of a trail that's left behind by Padme, who is chasing down a trail left behind by a handmaiden. Do that. On Batu. Um, Chris, as I know you have read Thrawn Alliances. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about this comic? I thought it was a really good adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I was reading it and it didn't necessarily excite me because I've read Thrawn Alliances before. Um, but it was a really solid adaptation. Like, I didn't feel like I'd lost anything. Do you know what I mean? Um, in the translation from all that prose to comic panels. It felt like Foreign Alliances in every way. Like yeah. if I had never read Foreign Alliances, I'd probably be hooked. Yeah. Well, this. let's ask John, who hasn't read Foreign Alliances, is he hooked? <laughs> I haven't read it. Classic me, and uh, I am hooked. <clears throat> I mean, I mean, let's just be honest. So the storyline originally of Vader and Thrawn, and then Thrawn and Anakin. That's clean as it is. That's dope. I love that. Um. So yeah, I'm, I'm hooked. I mean, it's one of the, the book adaptations. Whenever they do them for comics, it's one of those things you're like, if you just want to read it on one go. The fact it's issue by issue, I'm so like, oh, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, you'd rather have that graphic novel. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. no, I'm, I'm hooked. Um, I'm excited for the next issue. How many issue, How many issues is it going to be? Five or six, I think. Is it Chris? I think it's six. Well, the first Thorn adaptation was six. I think it is six. Yeah. yeah. I can't imagine doing it any less. Yeah, the art's good, and I like um, I like Thrawn in this. It goes back to there's another some complaints in Ahsoka where you kind of didn't live up to a lot of people's expectations from Rebels. Well, this is Thrawn. This is but my yeah. Thrawn. Yeah, yeah. So this it feels like an imposing intellectual figure. Like, like he stands next to Vader, and you don't like lose him. If that makes sense, yeah. as like a character in the story. Like he imposes his own will next to Vader, which is an impressive feat, which I think sometimes is a bit was maybe slightly lost in. And he and he, he respects his people as well, which is something that's always interesting yeah. about Thrawn. I maintain yeah. that Canon Thrawn is a good guy. <laughs> he is a good guy. Yes, he works for the Empire, but like he tries to get things done without killing anyone and you know, with least no casualties and all that. Yeah, but for, um... Uh, Ahsoka Thrawn is also canon Thrawn and he's not a good guy. So not funny, man. <laughs> um no, I mean I, I like like Commander Farrow in this is great and like she's a brilliant character in the books, but I think just like seeing her drawn and seeing her standing opposite Vader and like Thrawn having her back over Vader is just like something that works really well seeing it as art on a page. Um 
I'm a huge fan of Thrawn Alliances. Like the first Thrawn book is my favourite, but Thrawn Alliances is like really, really close to that one for me. I really, really like that book. So I was excited about this adaptation. I like an adaptation of a book because it's, we've never seen it visualised. It's not like an adaptation of a show or a film where they're just recreating shots we've already seen. This is all new stuff. Like the aliens that we see in the, the bar on Batu finally seeing what they actually look like as opposed to just reading on a page that they have long necks and claws and stuff like that um so i thought it was really really cool um i, I like the way they're balancing the two storylines um you could it's something you can do quite cool in comics that you can't necessarily do in a book where like in the book the storylines two separate storylines are separate chapters whereas in this book they can essentially put them panel by panel side by side if they like, in the moments that they want to and they did do that a couple times where like one page you'd be on one and the next page you'd see the similar shot recreated in the other which i think is a really cool artistic choice um so yeah i like it there's no surprises here because i've read the book but it's as far as adaptations go it's a good one and it's deserved of being talked about yeah, do you know what though? It's you might be surprised to know, but Thorn Alliances is the least liked Thorn book, which I find baffling because I love Thorn Alliances. I did as well. I think people really didn't like the Padme subplot, but I loved the Padme subplot. Yeah, so I don't. Yeah, I mean, we'll obviously we won't spoil it for John, but I think what it gets into with the Clone Wars and stuff, I think, is a really, really interesting story. And yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how I they really liked the Anakin that. in it as well. Like, I feel yeah. like this was an Anakin I enjoyed, and it's not many Anakins that I enjoy. Um, so yeah, it's really good. I do kind of hope they adapt the Ascendancy books, though. Can you imagine each one's gonna be like the Watchmen? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Just like yeah. massive, thick, wordy <laughs> graphic novels. Yeah, because I mean, the Ascendancy sh- trilogy is, is peak thrown to me. Surely mm. they have to do treason after i mean surely they'll do treason after they'll do this. treason and yeah. I, I, I doubt they'll do the ascendancy that's too much but it, it would be cool it would uh, be cool but yeah any final thoughts on that one before we move on no uh, it's a good good adaptation right last comic to speak about this month and let's be honest goat let's be honest boys we've saved the best till last the issue of the month the finale, the finale of Doctor Afra. This current series of Doctor Afra, Doctor Afra issue number forty, written by Alistair <laughs> Wong, <laughs> art by Minku Young. And in this issue, surprise, surprise, Afra is alive and she is exploring <laughs> some Jedi ruins, um, and is eventually reunited with Sana and Magna. Chris, you are the resident Afra Stan. Tell me how you feel about this comic. Let's go back to last month. I said, I don't want Afra to do what she did in volume one, where she's like, no, woe is me. They're better off without me and just disappear and mm-hmm. pretend that she's dead or that she hates them. And it all moves on. I was like, I don't want to see that again because we're not there anymore. That's not the Afra we have now. And so that'd be such a cop out. Alyssa Wong knew this. And they did it. They did the fake out thing where you think that's what she's doing, but then it isn't. She comes to the same realization that she's better with Santa mm-hmm. and which, she needs her. Which we've been screaming for like 40 years. We've been screaming. <laughs> oh, this is how you do a final issue. Sorry, Ethan Sachs and Valance fans, but like this is how you do a final issue. It was emotional, it picked up every single thread that it needed to pick up. It perfectly wrapped up this arc 
while I set up a new one. We got the dude, man. I'll tell you that the second page when we had the flashback of that kiss panel. Oh yeah, I almost teared up. <laughs> I was like, "We're here." And then one thing though, what's the dynamic with Santa Afra and Magna? What's going on there? Is it a throuple? Oh, like th- are we going like to see the first throuple in Star Wars? I kind of hope so. To be honest, it, I got vibes. I think I got throuple vibes. I think we could be getting a throuple. Yeah, because, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but... I mean, that's that's a progressive thing that, like, no one's really done. Like, people have, like, people have gone representation for trans people, for non-binary people, for, you know, gay people. I mean, it's one of the... You never see thruples. Yeah, I was going to say, if there's one area of representation that hasn't been done, and there's only one person who would get to that point which is Alyssa Wong because Alyssa Wong's known for her incredible their incredible representation in Star Wars I mean yeah yeah could yeah. be I'm interested to see I'm where it goes I'm yeah. thinking thruple but like what an issue 10 out of 10 5 stars A plus <laughs> and Dr. Afra will return oh I mean, yeah obviously. we all we all knew that but there was a big page at the end to remind us that Dr. Afra will return I just get hunted by Rizlin. <laughs> Razlin, isn't Rizlin. it? Bounty hunter. Yeah. John, how did you feel about Dr. Afro? Um, not ashamed to say. Some of those panels, a tear in my eye. Uh, generally get emotional. Um, at some of the back, towards the back end of the comic, because, I mean, it echoes everything Chris says. It's all been, we've worked 40 issues to get here, and it's been an enjoyable ride. Um, um, I I don't think I've read much Afra before we started doing this podcast. To be honest, well, I've read the bits of Vader, the original bits. Don't think I've read a first mini series or, or first series. Sorry, and I've only really picked it up from this from this section. But I need to go back and read it because Afra is such a that's just a cool character. Just a great mix of just so many different things. Uh, got like that good. Hand so that mixture of like hand solo, you know, like Deadpool. There's other things I could probably throw in, but I've forgotten because I'm an idiot. Um, but yeah, just a great character and a great series. And it's just the artwork's been great, the run's been great, everything's paid off. Um, and yeah, for someone who's literally never read much Afro and didn't really give it much thought when we started doing this podcast, and now, um, definitely like top tier Star Wars character and needs more recognition. Um, and I need to go and find stock of omnibuses and get some money out of my savings because those need to be collected. Yeah. yeah. Um, funny enough, I quite a few, maybe it was last month or the month before, I was quite disappointed that Dr. Afro was ending in issue 40. I was like, why is it ending? And Darth Vader is continuing. And I had that rant. But I actually now know why Dr. Afro ended here because this was the end of the story. Like this story from issue one to issue 40 this is a complete story from beginning to end of afra finally realizing she's better with people she loves that was what these whole 40 issues were about Alyssa wong told that complete story from issue one to 40 and is luckily being given another afra story to tell another another afra series to tell another afra story we're waiting on the official announcement on that but we know we're getting it 
But I'm so glad that we actually had a series that knew what it wanted to do, beginning, middle and end, and did it completely. I thought it was an excellent issue. I thought we got everything that's good about Afro very quickly in one issue. Like Afro doing like the archaeological Indiana Jones stuff, exploring the Jedi Temple, finding a book, and Afro being like, wait a minute, it's a book. We haven't had books in thousands of years because people don't use paper anymore. I bet John got bossed about the paper bit. Um, mm. Like... <laughs> And then Afra, Afra's team being there at the end as well, and having the the Risen moment two women exactly like having the moment with Sana and Magna and just like the, the romance and I mean everything about it was just like Afra has changed significantly as a character from who she was when we first met her in Darth Vader issue number three, and there's a reason why. And there's a story there, and it's an excellent story. And I'm so glad that we got a complete resolution. It was a perfect final issue. Perfect final issue. Mm-hmm. Absolutely perfect. Yeah, Couldn't cool. be any better. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely think we're at a point now where, like, when people talk about not just Star Wars, but just, like, the greats of, like, comics, I think Alyssa Wong's Doctor Afro series has to be in the conversation. I'm going to champion it every time, and I feel like I'm going to be met with resistance. Yeah. Because I've seen a lot of people not liking it, and I don't know why. I can't. I don't know how you can't read this and not love it. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can think is like you're homophobic or something. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. That sounds ridiculous. I know. But, I mean, but even even there, there's no though, reason like, not to love it. It's incredibly well written. Yeah, and mm-hmm. even there, like I, I, that frustrates me because like. You, you, you know, you get your toxic homophobic fans with like, oh, false representation, all of this stuff, and it's a load of nonsense. But what Alyssa Wong manages to do in this series is have a series which has so much representation, but it's so natural. It's just who the characters are. It's not. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not trying to say too much. It's just being, and it mm-hmm. just does it so well. One moment in this set in this series where someone's like, "This is who I am. I like yeah. boys. I like girls." It yeah. Never mentioned once. Sexuality never. never mentioned once. It's just the backdrop of the story. It's just yeah. Like, it's just like oh, that's that person's partner. Then I guess yeah. this is this is Doctor Afra. She's an archaeologist. She's chaotic. She is sometimes bad, sometimes good, and she's lesbian. Like it, it's and she it's, bangs all the chicks. <laughs> And she's got great riz. Like mm-hmm. so which which I find frustrating that there would be people out there who would let their bigotry get in the way of reading what is an excellent series that does none of the things that their angry little man brains might be pissed off about. It's just a good <laughs> fucking story. And even mm-hmm. if you're a homophobe, read Doctor Afro because it's really fucking good. <laughs> I'm gonna say a controversial <laughs> comment now. Oh. Edit button at the ready. Okay. I think this might be better than Souls of Vader. Edit that out, then. Edit that out. You know what, Chris? You know what? What I'm going to do, because I respect Alyssa Wong so much, one weekend I'm going to sit down, I'm going to read all of Charles Souls Vader, I'm going to read all of Alyssa Wong's Afra, mm-hmm. and I'm going to decide which I prefer. Because I genuinely think it's close. It's yeah. close. What's the collector editions of this again, Chris? Don't. Like, isn't that really? Isn't that really? It's really weird, isn't it? Yeah. So they've done. 
They've done a stupid omnibus of the first so 25 you, issues. For you, yeah. John, you're interested in Afro, right? You're really interested in the first volume. Wonderful. There's an amazing omnibus you can get, which collects every all 40 issues of the first run and the Vader issues. It's perfect. You can get it for about 50, 60 pound on Speedy Hen. Please give us a reach it. Right? I don't know. Buy that. Stop buying <laughs> Spider-Man omnibuses and buy that. Okay? Or buy both. <laughs> so with this volume two, they decided to re- release an omnibus of the first 25 issues. Which means that and if they a, want to collect... It's a fucking 40-issue series. Yeah, it's, it's literally omnibus size. <laughs> Which it's means if they do it again, the second on the bus is going to have 15 issues. Unless they put Sarah Staros in there, which would make it 20, but that's still that's still too small in my opinion. I mean, un- unless this next bounty hunter, this, I mean, there's a rumour that the new Doctor Afro series is going to be called Doctor Afro Bounty Hunter. There's a rumour about that that they've been going about. Yeah, unless, I saw that rumour, yeah. Unless that's a mini-series as well, like a 5-10 issue series, and then they wait for all of that with Sana and this, and then, I don't know. No. They've just fucked it. Just okay, Marvel. Michael, uh, what's his name? Peter Gabriel. No, <laughs> I can't remember his name. David the Gabriel. Guy, David Gabriel. Peter Gabriel. David Gabriel. If you're listening to this, I know you're not, but if you are, don't worry about it. Just release it again with all forty issues. Yeah, re-release. Just re-release it. Yeah. Uh, all do a, do a new, yeah, do a new cover as well. Then people. Will buy it, people but... don't care about money. Just release it again with all forty issues, please. Second printing, but with. Yeah, all and put Sanastaris in there as well. Make it 45 issues. Yeah, because that Sanastaris is five issues of the Afra story. Yeah, yeah. probably 40, might as well be 45. Yeah, 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 yeah. Man, I mean, it, it feels like a significant moment, lads, that this is the last comic roundup that we're going to be talking about Dr. Afra for a long time. I mean, we probably won't stop talking about Dr. Afra, but this feels like a pretty significant milestone in the comics roundup journey that Dr. Afra is finished. Yeah, John. What we should do is we get John to get that omnibus, and then John can give us his like thoughts on where he is. Oh, Afro. To be honest, I actually really want to reread the first Afro series because it's genuinely been about four years before I, since I it's read it. It's a chunky, beautiful omnibus, though. That yeah. is, you guys should totally both buy it. Yeah, I think I will. Twelve hundred pages. Oof, that is, that is a chunky one. Jeez. Have you just checked to see how much it is, John? It's uh, it's fifty nine ninety nine. That's good though. For like a fifty issue omnibus, that's like yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. Okay. So let's wrap up the episode. Um, The other two comics that came out this Mando season two issue number eight. It's fine. It's finally finished. Just in time for them to announce the Ahsoka adaptation that we will. Do you know what though? (laughs) Do you know what though? If the 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 main cover of that issue that was announced. If it's in that art style, I will buy every issue because it's totally stylistic and looks awesome. It's not some like whack ass forehead Larocca art <laughs> where uh, Reva looks like a gremlin. I mean, it's, it's it, the uh, the guy writing it is Rodney Barnes, who's the same guy who's done the Mando adaptation for the last two seasons. So it's like, I just don't care. He's not writing anything. This man's stealing a wage. Just give it. If you're going to do it, give us stylistic, different art. Make a choice. Well, I I would love it in yeah. like a in like a Japanese samurai anime style because that is the inspiration behind Ahsoka. Have Have you seen the the, the main cover for issue one? Yes, yeah, it's, it's nice. It's like that cartoony style. If it's in that style, I'm all over it. Or Peach Momoko art the entire 
Ahsoka adaptation. I'd, you know, I'd I'm like a weakness, Dan. Yeah. Um, and then we also got Obi-Wan Kenobi issue number four. Two more months is bullshit going on with... Mate, I can't even watch Obi-Wan Kenobi episode four because that's whack. So <laughs> I can't even... You know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we, we said it a few months ago. We tried to talk about these comics. But we just decided it's a waste of our time. Go watch the episode. They're shit and we don't really want to give airtime to them. Uh, the final yeah. little thing I would like to mention is very, very last minute today on Instagram, we trialed an idea of um, getting folk who follow the page to send in their thoughts on the month's comics or what their favourite comic is, um, any thoughts, any theories, all of that sort of thing. We did it a bit too last minute, so we didn't get much response. However, we did get a lovely response from John, aka Star Wars Padda 101 on Instagram, who said wow. that his, his highlight uh, issue of the month, just like us, was Dr. Afra, uh, and he said it was very emotional and he's sad that it's over. So I just wanted to share, and thank you, Padda, Star Wars Padda 101, for sharing your thoughts. We agree with you. <laughs> I really want to like do this, if we get more responses and we go, and Susie, she's eight from Kent, says. <laughs> <laughs> I love Darth Vader. <laughs> like, yes, it's aimed at you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that wraps up the episode. We'll be back next month to talk about February's comics. I think the new series that we've got starting in February is Mark Bernardin's Mace Windu. Um, I actually got the first issue, glad to say. Oh, right, yeah, because it comes out Wednesday, doesn't it? Yeah, got yeah. it to say. Um, I'm quite excited about this. I'm not a huge Mace Windu fan, not huge, hugely into that. Oh, well, I'm, I'm into that era, but I'm not, I don't have a dying need for more comics in that era. But Mark Bernard Same. was really good. The teaser thing in Revelations was good. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Yeah, the fact it's Mark Bernard is the only thing that's making me interested. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll be back next month to talk about February's comics. This has been January's comics. Bounty Hunters and Dr. Aphra, we love you. Fond. I genuinely think John is buying the Dr. Aphra omnibus right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not, no. I'm prepping, I'm prepping my exit. It'll make sense in a minute. Uh, a fond farewell to both those incredible series. Thanks for the good times. And Hyperspace Stories as well. Bye, Hyperspace Stories. Oh, shit, yeah. Was, did that series finish as well? I didn't even realise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I would take more of it. Um, yeah, yeah, it had some good ones, didn't it? So yeah, that's it. Jo- uh, Chris, tell people where they can find you. Plug something. SW Book Collector, Instagram, Threads, Facebook. And Chris, Chris has got a new show on the. Star Wars, oh yeah, Star Wars book check community out podcast. Star Wars Book Community Reviews. It's going to be um, 20, 30 minute episodes re- reviewing the books as soon as they come out. So it's going to be non-spoiler reviews of my thoughts with a guest or a couple of guests each time. We just released the first episode, which was for Escape from Valo. The next one is probably going to be for the Defy, Defy the Storm mm-hmm. and then the Living Force after that, because I also received that the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just quick five thoughts. So you, see, you can sort of see if people have, uh, are enjoying it like you're enjoying it or not enjoying it like you're not enjoying it uh, without spoiling anything. It's great. First episode's great. Chris and Jason, can't go wrong. Um, John, you, you've been sitting there waiting to say something for all this time. <laughs> I was going to say, you can find me at uh, Half of Baylor's Castle, like 10% half. Um, 
And I was going to say, you can find me at, at GoJohn, and <laughs> someone does care because one person has followed me, I'm assuming from the podcast because they're followed by Chris. Uh, and that's Owen Watson, so shout out Owen. Owen find Watson, him. yeah. Owen Watson's one of our big listeners. Yeah, for yeah. Finding, for finding my Instagram and following me, shout out Owen. And shout out to Owen. Owen okay. Watson actually commented on uh, my ep- my review episode post today saying about how I'm going to call he's going to call this dad reads the podfather from now on. I'm like, you're the second person that's mentioned that. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> Owen Watson comments on a lot of um, the Vader's Castle Library posts as well. So you're a good man, Owen. Thank you for listening. Sorry I took so long to approve your request. I didn't think you were a real person. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you ask people John, to follow you, John. Don't our one fan. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's been an hour and a half. We should probably go now. Shit boys out. Comics round up. Back next month. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.